Welcome to Survivor Analytics, the show that aims to find the perfect survivor strategy. My name is Clyde. I'm the true expert. And today we are here with another expert. We have Alexis. Jack is on leave this week. So we have two people with the most knowledge on the show uh, here to break down the finale. Alexis, how's it going? Going good. I'm sorry that I won't be able to give um, what Jack gives, which is sometimes not a lot you're here to give accurate takes and actual insight into the show i I appreciate it (laughs) i'm also happy you're here because the finale spoils three previous seasons Uh, if jack watched this uh it'd be tough for us to go back and watch i forget what three they bring up it's um token chains philippines and 43 i think yeah and it was robin amber spoiled too it's ridiculous so this is our first time having you on the podcast since 44 what have you thought about 45 at large pretty late in the game for the finale but yeah it was a season i i don't really know how i feel about it honestly i feel like towards the end it got a bit better but i don't think it started off great with so many quits and things like that towards the end definitely some good gameplay also some questionable gameplay but questionable is putting it lightly <laughs> My first note I wrote down for the season at large, just the opening, is a lackluster finale to a lackluster season. Yeah. Um, I think the season at large is kind of defined by the dominance of the Reba Alliance and then the ineptitude of the other two tribes. Uh-huh. I thought the finale could be the chance where we see that dynamic finally flip and there be a shift in power. And it never really happens. I feel like there's a lot of building up this season for something that doesn't pay off. But just in this one episode, we get like, so many mistakes made by people to the point where, at least for me, it's a little bit frustrating to watch. Like, we get uh, the Katura vote, we get Jake messing up in the challenges, and probably the worst fire-making challenge I've ever seen. I did not care at all about the forced fire-making here, but we'll get into all of that later. Alexis is also a part of our Fantasy League. How have you felt about your fantasy team this season? Who, who are your three players? Oh, I had some questionable takes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had Jemiah, Kendra, and Drew. I got demolished by everybody for choosing Jemiah first. And to be fair, she she wasn't on the season very much. But um, (laughs) I came out in third somehow. So I did I did get um some some rough takes and got attacked for them a little bit but i still did okay drew carried my team on his back and i don't know how that happened but yeah you were not a drew fan when you took him because he was the second to last pick yeah i actually i don't think i said this during the draft pick i had drew a lot higher you guys all just shit on him the entire time (laughs) and so i didn't want to take him but i actually had him a lot higher on my list i didn't mind that i had him maybe i should have taken him sooner and maybe my third pick would have done better than my first and second well we weren't the only ones that uh shot on drew the edit last week was brutal on towards him when he went home yeah but i respect it getting third place with the second to last pick of the draft is respectable we're always at the 
butt of the draft. Maddie ended up winning this season uh, with a major redemption arc after getting the first three boots of 44. So uh, I'm home right now for winter break, and I'm in the mode of just uh, pleading to Maddie, asking her for <laughs> a top three pick. Just for once, I want to be able to have real say in my team instead of getting a default person in the third round. But yeah, we can hop into the finale. All the contestants go back to the beach. Uh, Drew was just voted out in the previous episode, and the first thing Austin says when he gets back is, up until today, I've had two number ones in this game. With Drew gone, I have one number one, and that's D. How did you feel about like Austin's outlook at this point? Because he seems completely loyal to D even after she blindsides him. I feel like I wonder how much strategy he is using and if this is all just he's in love with d because like d just blindsided you and you're like now i have only one number one that's like you can choose to forgive her and like keep working with her sure but like he just seems so unaffected by what she did and he's like cool whatever <laughs> and like that was really surprising to me and also i'm not really sure why um there's so much of the I have two number ones in this season. Like, that's not how number ones work. I don't know why they keep saying that. It's weird for me, too, because I watched all of the postseason interviews because I'm a nerd with this stuff. And Austin said postseason that if he won the final immunity, he planned on sending D into fire with, like, the goal of getting D out of the game. And I don't know if I believe him. I, I think don't believe he's that. he's saying that retroactively to make himself appear smarter because nothing in the edit Hints that he was ever willing to flip on D. No, I don't believe that. And he never made any moves. Why would you save it until fire making to try to get her out if you wanted to get her out? It was a little bit frustrating for me to watch because I went into the finale like 90% confident that D was going to win. Okay. And watching D snuggle up against Austin on the beach after just taking out his second closest ally was, don't get me wrong, like a great move. But I could already see like, the winner of the season being written in stone at that point. We also have a Katura confessional in this opening where she says that she's upset that Dee and Austin were able to make it to the final five. And I was legit screaming at the TV saying like, you allowed them to get to the final five. Well, she, she also said like, I, I don't, I wish we would have recognized this sooner is what I heard her say. And I was like, how did they not? Are they trying to say that they didn't realize that Dee and Austin were like a couple until like recently? Because I, I know that they don't see everything that we see, but like, I'm pretty sure there have been a lot of shots of Dee and Austin like kind of snuggled up like in front of other people. So I don't know why she was trying to claim that they didn't know that they were a pair. Last week, Katura went on the date with them. She said she was the third wheel and then voted with them. So that's all I have everything post uh, Drew vote. We then get the next morning with this twist. Uh, do you want to break down this random sprint around the island? Yeah, so it was a box is what they kept calling it. But it was like the dials for the different numbers for like a combination code. And they had to sprint around the island and count things like chickens and sticks in a pile. I don't remember. The coconuts was the third one. Yeah, that that represented Gabler. Mm -hmm. Yes, Gabler's coconuts. Do you like this twist in the final five where you can earn an advantage for the final immunity challenge? I think they've been doing it a couple of seasons. I've definitely seen it a couple of times. I, I feel like I'm kind of indifferent about it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Also, we saw that this season it didn't even, it didn't make Jake win. So I guess it wasn't like that big of an advantage. 
it is kind of interesting to see them do something so like brain focused like counting this far far into the game when they haven't eaten for so long i feel like that's usually entertaining to watch i thought it was a weird thing to include because i agree with you they've had this for almost every new era season like i feel like the new era one of the big themes has been let's try to downplay people's strengths like if you're really good uh strategically we're gonna remove as many votes as possible that way you can't account for how many votes are going into a tribal and if you're a really good physical player we're just going to give a contestant an advantage in a really important challenge so a player like austin might be at a disadvantage going in but jake counts them all he takes his time and he ends up winning the advantage uh i was really happy for jake here i felt like this was the first time that something actually went right for him on the entire season yeah, it was good to see him building his resume, even if it's a little bit too late, but it was still nice to see. I love Jake, so I, I was glad that he was the one who got it. Were you out on Jake on this point? Did you think he had a chance, or was he just there, you know, as a, what did he describe himself as, like a tree? Um, No, I really didn't think he had much of a chance. Unless he, like, pulled something crazy at the end, then maybe, potentially, but I think that would only be if D was already gone. Him winning this felt like, a major payout after an entire season of basically failing in everything that he's attempted. So going into the immunity challenge, something in my gut was saying maybe Jake could actually win this depending on how good the advantage is. So immunity challenge, nothing special here for me. Standard survivor challenge, you get the sandbags, you get the locks, but you end in the Michelle Fitzgerald puzzle. Did you remember this one? Yeah. Yeah, Michelle kick at the end, of course, had to happen. Yeah, she's competed in this challenge twice, and she's the only person to ever win uh, this puzzle. So I was excited to see who would join that elite club, even though I'm not super high on Michelle as a winner. But the real question going in is, what's Jake's advantage? What does he get? In my mind, I thought he was going to get the first um, section of the puzzle completed because that puzzle is like one of the most difficult ones. Uh, there's a reason why only Michelle has won it and nobody else can really figure it out. Instead, Jake just gets like a sandbag advantage, which felt almost meaningless to me. Yeah, and I mean, it definitely was uh, negated pretty quickly, especially when he left his keys, so. I completely forgot about that. Well, he forgets multiple parts of this challenge, right? Yeah, because he, he forgets the keys, and then at the last section of the puzzle, one of his puzzle pieces is sitting on the side and he doesn't notice it so even when things go right for jake he somehow uh stumbles his way through this challenge but other highlight from this challenge for me is once the challenge is over and austin wins it so congrats to austin meat boy gets his challenge win under his belt jake is devastated right he had this advantage going into it it didn't pay out for him and jeff walks over and feels the need to rub it in and show him the puzzle piece like is that fair play from jeff i don't know like honestly this was the start of like a theme of the whole episode i feel like and the theme was does jeff hate jake because he was yeah. just constantly like making jake even more upset and like acting like he was mad at jake <laughs> i was afraid that jake wouldn't notice and then like it would just be he didn't even realize he almost won and nobody even realized that he almost won so i guess it was like Jeff pointed it out so people noticed, but yeah, that was that was rough. Just seeing Jeff there like flaunting the puzzle piece, like, hey, Jake, you were <laughs> this close yet again. He's had it rough already. And I agree with you. I don't think Jeff likes Jake, and I don't really understand why. Because when players quit the show, Jeff is really nice to them now. In the after show, Jeff apparently loves Drew. 
out of all people, he asked Drew for like a literary analogy of <laughs> applying to Survivor. And then some of the fan favorites, like Jake, Jeff feels the need to shit on the entire finale. Do you think it's because Jeff can only like one person in Boston and it's Boston Rob? Do you think that Jake just does not equal what he's looking for? But Jake knows his Survivor history. Like he's one of the biggest fans on the cast. He does the callbacks to the previous season. He's from Boston and wears the black tank top, which feels Boston Rob-esque to me. But Jeff is loyal <laughs> to Boston Rob. I guess. But, like, Boston Rob isn't coming back. Like, <laughs> Jeff needs to move on at some point. Like, Jake, well, I don't think Jake is going to be the next Boston Rob. Jake could come back for another run, but I'd probably put my money on him stumbling his way through a second season. Yeah. Um, I had another, I had a, a Jeff quote from this challenge that I oh. thought was interesting while we're talking about Jeff. Um, not interesting, kind of funny. I When they were doing the puzzle, um, at one point he was like, Jake has five that are right. He's got six that are right. That's how quickly it could come together. And I was like, Jeff, you do realize that once you have five, you have six, right? Like he was like <laughs> pointing out like, oh, it's going quick now. That's, I, I guess, I guess that was making uh, the opposite argument. Maybe he was being nice to Jake there, trying to be like, oh, look at Jake. He's coming. <laughs> So winner of the challenge is Austin, and now he's got to decide who wants to go on a reward with him. What's the reward here? I already forget. Um, The sanctuary. Is this, this is the stake one, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a lock Austin was going to take D. He takes Jake, which is a pretty surprising pick. Maybe he wants to like make the pitch to Jake of we should sit next to each other at the end. Did you like that selection from Austin? I mean, I think it was good. I... I thought that he would pick D2, but, like, I think it would have been a... I don't want to say bad move to pick D, because at this point, it kind of doesn't really matter as much anymore. Kind of a missed opportunity if he had picked D, because what strategy really do you have to talk with D? Like, you guys are already, like... Well, it's a dinner date. What do you mean? I, I mean, yeah. Isn't that the strategy for Austin? That seems to be his strategy this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying I'm trying to hope that he had some sort of strategy in anything, and I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think you might have texted us this in our group chat, but when Austin is interviewed postseason about his relationship with D, he says that they want to keep it private for now. I think that means they broke up. No, I don't think so, because D has actually said the opposite, kind of. D has been, like, saying, like, oh, we want to keep it private for now, but she also said in her interview with Jeff that they're still together. Oh, wait, so that's not keeping it private? Yeah, well, in one interview, she said she was keeping it private, and then she, like, let it slip in the other one, I think, which is kind of funny, because it's, like, D and Austin still not on the same page. Like, Austin is like, I'm going <laughs> to keep it so quiet, I don't mention anything, and D's like, yeah, we're together. She said something about how once they're allowed to post pictures, they've, they've been on vacation together and she has pictures to post. Oh, they're still not allowed to post pictures? The season's over. Yeah, I don't know when it ends. This was like last night I saw it, so it might be over like today, but they haven't posted anything yet. So Okay, I'll believe it when I see it. I thought this was a situation where it's like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. Like they broke up afterwards and now Austin is alone and without a million dollars. I mean, I also did see something that said they, they both did have the same goal. Um, they either wanted to make a million dollars or marry someone who made a million dollars because that was Austin's goal, too. And that's what Dee said at the end. Yeah, Austin said that preseason, which was crazy. I think he said that in his like, preseason interview that he admired uh, Boston Robin Amber. So it's weird how that all worked out. Definitely. Um, 
we can talk about the sanctuary between Jake and Austin where Jake has the immunity idol from last week, the crotch idol, and mid-dinner, he's eaten the steak with one hand, puts his left hand in the crotch and takes it out and shows it to Austin. What did you think about this move from Jake? I don't know what he was doing. I don't know why he did that. I think that it was not a good move to tell everybody that he had the idol. Looking back, Maybe he was trying to do it so that people didn't vote for him so that he could play it on somebody else. I don't even know that that's really technically a better move. If the votes were going to go on him and he didn't tell anyone he had an idol, then he could have just played the idol. Like, I don't know why he had to tell everybody. I kind of like that strategy from Jacob. He needs to play that idol correctly to make a big move. And if he makes it public knowledge that he has it, he goes from like a one out of four shot to playing it right to a one out of three if people are too paranoid to play it on him. That's true. I was shocked that he did that. I face palmed when I saw him hold it up and show it to Austin because when you show that to Austin, it's not only going to Austin. You know it's going to go to D and potentially go to Julie from there. So at that point, you might as well just like pull it out in front of everybody. Uh, and let them know you have the idol. Is that what he wanted, though? I feel like he wanted everybody to know. He knew if he told Austin that he would tell everybody. Because I feel like there's a difference between, like, pretending that you're just showing one person and trusting one person and just pulling it out in front of everybody. If he pulled it out in front of everybody, I feel like they would have been like, is he faking? He's he's not going to play it. Like, he's going to play it on someone else. Uh, that's all I really have from the stake reward. We can talk about people back at camp because this is the most chaotic vote probably of the entire season. So a lot of discussions going on at camp. We can kind of walk through this from each player's perspective because no one really votes together. My biggest takeaway in this final five vote is that it's crazy how well insulated D is, where mm -hmm. Julie appears unwilling to vote against her and Austin appears unwilling to vote against her. Julie wants to gun for Jake. Austin wants to gun for Julie because he's voted against Julie for two straight tribal councils. Why not add a third tally to the list? And then D is in this weird spot where like her two allies are going in two different directions and she's not sure where she should go. I made a TikTok on this today. I think she makes the worst possible choice in partnering with neither of her allies and just throwing a vote on Katura. But the whole tribal council is pretty chaotic. I think the most important discussion here is the one between Jake and Katura where they talk about Nana where Katura is the one, right, that's initially pushing to vote against D. Yeah, because Jake comes over saying that they need to vote Julie, and she's like, nope, we have to vote D. I was impressed by Katura here. I feel like for the entire season, Katura has just appeased the Reba majority. She constantly takes the plans from Bello and rats them out to the people in power. And this was the first time where she could see the end game and see what would happen. Because if you keep D and Austin... They're the two best physical competitors on the beach. If they make it to the final four, they're the two most likely to win that challenge where they'll take each other to the end. So you got to knock out one of them now. And Austin already has individual immunity. And she makes <laughs> Jake swear on Nana. I really liked the shot of um, there was like a close up of Jake's eyes where he looked so funny to me. And, and then Katara was like, I do not trust those eyes. <laughs> but I think it's a funny storyline because Jake and Katura have been together the entire season. They were on the same Bello tribe. They get swapped over to Lulu together. Then they go to the merge together. Like, I think they've attended every single tribal council by each other's side. And I would need to go back and look at the numbers, but I don't think they voted together many times. 
No, I don't think so. I feel like Jake tried to pull Katara in a lot of times, and then Katara every time like turned it around and was like, nope. Katara later complains and blames Jake for the outcome of this vote, saying that he should have told her that he was going to play the idol on her. Do you think that was Jake's job in this pre-tribal council session to lay out the entire plan to her? I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't. Like, he was saying, like, oh, I wanted your genuine reaction, like, I guess for the jury. But, like, again, I'm not sure what that adds. You were going to get a genuine reaction from all the other people. Like, oh, my gosh, he played it. Like, why did it have to be Katura? That was just, like, I don't, I don't know what strategy piece that adds. Like, why the jury would be like, oh, my gosh, Katura didn't know. Maybe it's that Jake wants to appear as, like, He's the one leading the move. And if Katura looks confident and not surprised, then she could take credit in saying that, like, I told Jake to play the idol for me if they were to reach the end together. Yes, that's true. But then he could just say that she was lying. And, like, I mean, I guess at that point, it's like, who do you believe? Oh, I was a little bit confused by Katura not giving him as much information, too, because it seemed like she thought that that the girls were going to vote for Jake. So then when Jake showed her his idol, she was like, oh, no, I can vote for Jake, but we can negate the other girl's votes. But then it seems like she didn't tell him that the votes were going on him. Like, yeah. <laughs> if she really thought that the votes were going on him and he could use the idol to negate the votes, why wasn't she like, great, they're going to vote for you? Katura claims that she can't trust Jake when I think she's the real, like, untrustworthy member of that partnership. To be fair, I guess Jake had told her he was going to play it on himself anyway. So she maybe she was like, oh, I don't have to tell him. But like, why wouldn't you again? I, I, there's just like a lot of holding back of information. Yeah, there needs to be like a mutual back and forth of information. And so far this season, it's been Jake feeding Katura stuff and her leaking it to other people. I probably would be surprised, but I think it would be funny if on a returning player season, you get Jake and Katura on the same tribe again. Just to see the storyline continue. It could be like uh, James and uh, Amanda who play all the time and are always on the same tribe. I wonder if it would turn into like a uh, Katara and Bruce feud at that point. Like I wonder if Katara would be like, I've had enough of Jake. Yeah, maybe. Well, without if Bruce isn't there, then what is Katara going to talk about for the first 75% of the season? Who is she going to hate on? And Jake's an easy target. You know, Jeff already hates him too. Yeah, and Katara's, you know, people-pleasing Reba, so she wants to people-please Jeff, too, so she's gonna hate Jay. You want to talk about the tribal council now? Yeah. What did you think was gonna happen going into this? I had no idea, because part of me was like, are they holding back conversations? Because you know how they do that sometimes. They don't show us, like, that the vote changed at the last minute or something. So part of me thought maybe they were holding back, like, Austin talking to Katara, and getting her to vote Julie, which is funny because that is what happened, but I don't think that he spoke to her. I think that she just did that, but part of me thought Julie was going home, that Katara and Austin had had a conversation, and then Katara was going to vote for Julie. But I really didn't know because, like, everyone was saying they were voting for different people, and I didn't think that that would happen, but it did happen. Everybody did vote for different people. Especially when all season the cast is so against splitting votes. Like we had how many votes go on Caleb when yeah, he played the shot in the dark? Them. Like a, <laughs> 11 or 12 votes on Caleb. We had all the votes on Julie when she plays the idol. Like the storyline of the season has been we're sticking together no matter what, even if it's against our best interest. And now when you're down to five people and 
you're probably incentivized to vote together more once the numbers dwindle. People want to split the vote now, I guess. And also, like, it seems like at the end of this season, everybody wanted to claim a move as their own. And maybe that's why they all voted for different people, because they were in agreement on who should go home. And also they wanted to be the one to be like, this person's going to go home. But like, why weren't they doing that the whole season? That's what I'm so confused by. Why do you wait until the end and you're like, oh, I got to get a big move now. Like you let D control every single vote for the entire (laughs) season. And then you're like, oh, I got to get my big move. Like I think Jake said earlier in the season when the or not earlier in the season, earlier in the episode when the puzzle piece missing thing happened, he was like, I feel like this is like, this This is me in this game. Like, I just am looking for that last puzzle piece of making a big move. And I'm like, Jake, where are the other pieces? I'm so confused by you <laughs> saying that, like, that's the last piece you need. Like, all of these people just didn't do anything the whole game. And they're like, oh, now all I have to do is this at the end. Well, I think Modern Survivor kind of, favors that gameplay where it's like you have such a short amount of time on the beach that players typically just stick with their original tribes and work with them in the post-merge and then you got to make one big move at the very end and since no one's really distinguished themselves up until then that's what you do to really you know separate yourself and win I think it makes for like a less entertaining product as a whole but I kind of see what Jake is saying and as bad as his gameplay has been for most of this season I respect that he's self-aware I think he knows that he's on the bottom and that he needs to have some kind of show in front of the jury to have a shot at winning. Like, Jake is not playing to just make it to the final three. He would rather go home at five, which he proves when he plays the idol on someone else, than make it to the end and be a zero-vote finalist, which ends up happening to him in classic Jake fashion. I think is kind of the opposite, where her goal seems to be make it to the end, even if that means playing pretty passively. But at the same time, it seems like everybody thinks Katara is a threat, which is also confusing to me because I'm not sure. Do you sure. buy that? I don't no, buy that at all. I don't know what Katara. I love Katara. I love her as a person. I, I really wish that she had done like more in this game, but I don't see how she's a threat. She didn't do anything. I think she gets maybe one jury vote. Yeah, definitely not more than that. Reba just like drug her along the entire time and she was letting them do it. So I don't understand why they thought she was a threat after that i guess just because they might have been afraid of having a game that was so different than theirs your final vote in this tribal council is a two one 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 where one votes against katura that's negated you have two on julie from katura in austin one against jake from julie uh one against d from jake but the big takeaway here is that Katura goes into this final tribal with the original intention of voting against D. And had she done that, D goes home here. And instead, in the booth, she says, I'm flipping my vote because I think it's me. And she flips it to Julie at the last second. Is there any rationale for this change? No. I like I, I heard her <laughs> try to defend it, and I still don't under I don't believe that this made any sense. Like I think either in an an interview after yeah, I guess it was in, in an interview after she tried to defend what she like the reason that she did that, or maybe it was in the later episode later in the episode. But who did she think was voting for Julie? I know that Austin did end up voting for Julie, but I don't think that she knew that. So Austin said postseason that he changed his vote too. Like he went in with the original intention of voting Katura and then flipped it to Julie last second. 
So it's like you think votes are going on you, but you also think votes are going on Julie. Who is voting for you and who is voting for Julie? I'm a little bit lost on what you think is happening because why would you not vote for D when Jake is saying he's going to vote for D and then D would have went home? Like, if you want to negate votes that are on yourself, why would one single vote for a random person negate anything? You have to team up with other people. I don't know, like, Katur read the long-term outlook of the game so well earlier in the episode. You just need to stick by that plan at this point. And then if it doesn't work out and they flip the vote on you, so be it. But even if you take out Julie, your path to winning is so slim at that point. <laughs> like, I don't understand what the full reasoning was there. When Julie gets voted out, Jake turns to Katara and says, you made me swear on my Nana, dude. <laughs> so Nana's coming back into tribal council here. We barely talked about Julie this episode, and Julie goes home in this tribal council. Like, were you sad to see Julie go? Indifferent, I feel like. I. What? You're not high on Mama J? Everybody loves Mama J. I liked her, but I don't know. I just... People saying she was, like, a huge threat, too. I do think that she was a threat, but, like, I think part of me was just, like, wishing that people had noticed D instead of Julie. But at the same time, I'm glad D won. Like, I, I'm kind of glad no one noticed and she made it because I feel like it would have been kind of disappointing if I felt like she was, like, the only person really playing a good game and then she went home. That would be disappointing. What? I'm a Mama J fan. As the season has went on, I've been getting higher and higher on Mama J as I've like learned more things about the cast when they've been interviewing afterwards. I think there's a chance if Mama J makes it to the end, she beats D. What I thought, I thought that she wouldn't beat D, but maybe she would have. But I thought that it just didn't seem like a good move for her to not try to take out D. She wanted to go to the end with D, but D said postseason that she also wanted to go to the end with Mama J. Like she refuses to vote against Mama J in this tribal council, which is probably against her best interest because... We'll get to this later, but going into the final tribal, I thought D was going to sweep the jury. I thought she was going to get like at least seven votes. So the fact that she loses three to Austin and everyone was saying that Mama J is this phenomenal social player, I could totally see a world where Mama J like sweeps it right underneath her feet. That is fair. Yeah. The toughest thing for me when I look back at this tribal council is how this affects my perception of D as a player because... Up until this vote, I thought D was playing like a masterful game, like top five winning game of all time. And she's essentially saved by Katura being paranoid. So I don't know how to really like factor that into my assessment of her. Like, is this a good move from D because the simple fact is she didn't get the majority of the votes on her or did she just kind of luck out? That is true. I didn't really think about that because if she had just chosen a side with her two number ones, yeah. then even if Katara didn't chicken out, it would have been a tie. It would depend who D would vote for. Yeah. I went back and ran the numbers. The ideal move for D here is to vote out Jake. That way, it's worst case scenario, it's two Jake, two on D, and then in the re-vote, the numbers work out, so that way D's number one allies would vote out uh, Jake over her. It's just a weird situation. I don't know if I can have D in that, like, top winning games of all time, like the Boston Robs on Redemption <laughs> Island. Like, I don't think I could put her in that echelon because you just had players that panicked at the last second and went into the tribal council with the intention of voting her out. Okay. But goodbye, Mama J. Will we see Mama J play again? Or is this the end of her story? I feel like I could see her come on again. I think she was a 
she's a contender for sure. I feel like people liked her a lot. And and again, I'm not I'm not a Mama J hater. I think she played a decent game. And I think that honestly, if she came on again, I think she might play a better game than she did this time. I feel like she could be one of those players. I could see that. She won't come on with a massive target on her back mm-hmm. by any means. I think the big takeaways for me with Mama J is one, she's under edited. Mm-hmm. I looked back at the confessional count and she receives three more confessionals than Caleb who got 11th place. She's very under-edited on the cast, and I think she also benefits from being on Reba, where they win a lot of challenges. Like I think if you put Mama J on Lulu, she struggles in this season. That was a lot this season. To me, just felt like a lot of luck. Like People being on Reba just felt like luck. If any of these players were on other tribes, almost any of them, I feel like they wouldn't have done as well as they did. Really? The whole Reba 4 you think would struggle without I don't know that, that initial tribe. D or Austin would struggle. I think that Drew would probably struggle, and I think that Julie would probably struggle. We say goodbye to Mama J, right? We can go back to camp when Jake and Katura just enter an argument right in front of uh, D and Austin. They're basically blaming each other for the outcome of the vote while D is standing right there, and she knows that she was the target from the two of them. Do you think at this point that those two players are still willing to take each other to the end? Jake and Katura? Yeah. Or do you think they're so mad at each other now that they don't even want to sit with each other? I would hope and I do think that they would still take each other to the end because I think that they're both aware that neither of them have the best game there. So I I think that even if you're mad at the person, you'd still want to take them. And also, like, I don't know that they'd necessarily want to put the other person on the jury if they're that mad at each other. You want to go to final immunity? Yep. Final immunity is similar to the final immunity of Survivor 43, where they're balancing the uh, bowls. The difference here is that they need to walk through this rope obstacle course. And the second I saw that this challenge involved feet, I knew the season was over. D had it in the bag (laughs) the second they incorporated uh, anything with your legs. Did you like this challenge? I like it. I think that... I can really see it becoming difficult. Like, it's a lot of concentration. And then also just, like, the the high leg thing. Like, I feel like doing that for so long, your legs are going to start shaking. You're going to start, like, giving out. I think it's a really good challenge. What did you think about Jake getting uh, disqualified from this challenge? I was... This is This is the point. I mean, I've been worried about Jake's physical and mental health this entire game because, one, they never addressed the whole basically having when he was like fainting or having seizures or whatever was happening to him they never addressed yeah. that yeah looking back why was that a part of the edit i don't know <laughs> i kept thinking i said something where i was like i feel like maybe they haven't mentioned it in so long because it's gonna happen like right at the end like he's gonna have another one and then they're gonna take him out so they were trying to like get people to forget it or something but no they just didn't care <laughs> like yeah it's just the edit dunking on jake and showing you know his medical problems as well as his strategic ones. Yep. So, I mean, I've been worried about him the whole season. And this is the point of the episode where I was really like, I'm scared for how Jake is doing mentally out of this game right now because, like, he just looked so broken when that happened. I mean, he, he was the one who broke the challenge. He was the one who got too frustrated and, like, started stomping all over it. But, like, it just seemed like he was at such a breaking point. And I feel like for the rest of the episode, it was just like going downhill, like it was getting worse and he was just getting more upset. And so that was, it was hard to watch. It was sad. 
it was really tough to watch because I, I've been saying for weeks that Jake is going to be a zero vote finalist. And most of the time, I have no empathy for the zero vote finalist because <laughs> there's someone that, you know, doesn't really know their positioning in the game and they're oblivious to the fact that they will not get any votes. Jake seems to know that he's struggling out there <laughs> and he keeps trying and he keeps failing. I think production needs to do a better job at creating these challenges so that way you can't break them by stepping on them because isn't that the whole point of the challenge is that you're going to step on it and cause it to shift and move around? I may, Maybe his his specific one was like tainted, like like tampered with. Uh, maybe Jeff like unscrewed Jeff? it a little bit. <laughs> Oh. Also, I want to say, I have this thing where I constantly am like, Jeff did that as if there isn't an entire production team. Like how Jeff is like in charge of every <laughs> single little thing. He's like Jigsaw, like from the Saw movies. Like that's what he is to Survivor. And every time I say it, it just makes me laugh because I just picture Jeff like going around with a screwdriver and being like, I'm going to undo Jake's challenge. <laughs> In the middle of the night, he's sneaking into the challenge and unscrewing it. This is poor challenge design, though. And I think I texted you guys about this, but in this moment, Jake reminds me so clearly of Owen from 43. Like, their arcs are almost identical, where they're always on the bottom, they're both zero-vote finalists, and they both break the final challenge. Owen does the exact same challenge where he has to balance the bowls and when his stack falls over, he gets so mad that he just snaps the stick uh -huh. and Jeff doesn't give him a new one. So Owens is more self-inflicted. I gave a little bit more credit to Jake. I would love to see the two of them on the same season. The yeah. two Charlie Browns. Yeah, that would be entertaining. So winner of this challenge is D. So at this moment, I said the season's over. We got a, like 90 more minutes of the finale and we already know who's going to win. And Jeff pulls D aside, right? D is probably thinking in her head like, oh, I have a great shot at winning the game. What's Jeff going to ask me? And Jeff says, what does this say about the American dream? What is the <laughs> right-wing propaganda in the finale? The American dream is going on a game show and winning money. That is the American dream. That is not the American dream. Nobody has ever said that before. I'm going to shout out Olivia. Just second to winning the lottery. It was such a weird question from Jeff. Uh, and I get he was probably trying to ask Dee about, you know, her family who are immigrants, I think, from Cuba, which is all great to talk about. But Dee has had barely any personal content on this season. I don't think we ever got a flashback from Dee where we get to see photos of, you know, her when she's like three years old, like we do uh -huh. for the other players. Yeah, I I mean, I do think that she mentioned it the first time she won immunity. I think she's the one who said the American dream thing. So I think Jeff was like following up on it. But like, it seems like her post like immunity win, she's very like, this is for my family, but we don't get any sort of like, can you tell us about them? <laughs> like, yeah, I think D is a really compelling player of Survivor, but I don't know if she's a very compelling character. I said this last week on the pod, but a player like uh, Jam Jam is very uh -huh. memorable just because his personality is so unique. Uh, D reminds me more of like a Sarah Lucina, someone that's really good at the game, but doesn't have a lot of personal content around her, at least in the edit. Uh -huh. I'm assuming she talks about a lot of stuff, but as far as we know, the things that we know about D are that she loves her family and she has strong toes. Yeah, when you when you said uh, that she was gonna win, you knew she was gonna win the challenge because it involved feet and legs. I thought you were gonna say something about how, of course, that there's another close up of D's feet because there was another close oh, up of there? D's feet, and I was like, again, 
<laughs> what, what is the production's obsession? What is Jeff's obsession with DSP? You think it's just Jeff? He's like, we got to get all cameras yep. at the bottom of the pit. They missed the shot of Jake breaking the challenge. That way they can get the close up on uh, D's feet. Yep. I also feel bad for that cameraman. That's probably so awkward having to be the one that like is on the ground, like just with the camera pointed directly at them. <laughs> I would feel uncomfortable doing that. That was Dee's personal content. Her feet, her toes. I think that's one of the issues I have with this season. You need to show some personal content from the winner. Like a mm -hmm. player like Gabler in 43 got personal content. Mm -hmm. People weren't a fan of him, but it was still there. Like I would have loved to learn more about Dee. You want to go to fire making? Yeah. So they get back to camp. Dee tells Austin straight up, I'm taking you to the end. Uh, did you like this move by Dee to bring Austin as opposed to the two bellow people so i'm not sure especially like looking back on it and seeing how many votes austin gets like maybe she should have put him in fire but the thing is he he probably would have run fire and like the question i have is if he had been put in fire would he have won because he was so close at the end and they do say like their whole thing is like they don't want to give him another move and I think that fire making as a move is dumb because that shouldn't be counted as a move. But I don't know. Do you think maybe maybe if she did put him in fire, maybe he could have beat her? So it's tough. You need to look at the jury and see, like, which of these people will be the one that is swayed by fire, right? So we're jumping ahead. I, I can talk through the votes that D gets and see if any of them would flip over to Austin. I don't think Emily flips. I don't think Katura would flip. I don't think Julie flips. And I don't think Kelly flips. So maybe Caleb is the one that is swayed by the fire-making challenge. But if he flips over and you get a tied vote, Jake cast the winning vote of the season, and Jake has said after the show that he would have voted for D. So I don't think it would have made a, a huge impact on the show, but it would have been a good look for Austin, at least at least in that moment. But when D puts Katura and Jake into fire-making, I went and like made some popcorn during that part of the episode. <laughs> Because I thought this is meaningless. Like, yeah. who cares about this? Fire making has been around for 10 seasons now. I took a look back at the history of it. This might be the worst one, where typically in fire making, there's two dramatic points. You either have the person who wins has this big decision of who they will take to the end. You can think of like a, a Xander in 41 makes the mistake of taking Erica to the end. <laughs> so even though the fire making challenge itself isn't the best, there's drama with the decision. Okay. So that's like the first component. The other component is the challenge itself, which is something like a Gabler versus Jesse in 43, where the winner of that will go on to win the season. This is neither. It doesn't matter who she takes with her to the end. And the challenge itself is basically meaningless. Because okay. I don't think Katura gets any jury votes either, despite whatever Austin and Dee tell the cameras. It was it was giving I'm terrible with season numbers, but it was giving like um Ozzy and Yule and then the two girls who it was like Oh it yeah, didn't Becky matter. and Sundra. Yeah. Yeah, in Cook Islands. It yeah. didn't matter who came. So like what is the point really? Yeah, I would have liked it if they uh gave them the matches like they did okay. back in that season. Because at this point it's like, ah, who cares? Jake was there, Jeff probably gives the matches only to Katura. So fire making challenge happens, Jake wins. Any highlights from that for you? Um, I thought it was funny how he warmed himself at the fire because like at heart, Jake is a clown. Like he literally won and then he put his <laughs> hands up to the fire like Ooh, warm. It's a good revenge arc for Jake. Like, 
all season, Katura has been screwing him over strategically. She also screws him over postseason by taking the majority of the Sia money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the one time where Jake can, you know, get a leg up over her. Mm-hmm. And I was, I feel like his uh, positive outlook came back a lot after this. Like he, I think that he, he probably at this point still knew he wasn't going to win, but he was like, at least I did something correct, and not every single thing went wrong. It might be the only successful Jake move of the entire season. That and getting the advantage, but the advantage doesn't end up meaning anything in the grand scheme of things. And it's weird. I feel like it shows in the way that we've talked about the finale, but Jake comes across as the main character of the finale, in my mind. I would need to go back and look at it, but he might have more confessionals and confessional time than anybody else in the game. I think production didn't want to make it look too obvious that D was going to win, so they need to play up the underdog story, even though that story fails and like also just looking back at um the preseason stuff i think that jake was like the big person in all of the in like the previews i think he narrated like all of it yeah he said like i gotta get out of nana's house and then he swears on nana's life (laughs) i know dude nana ends up being a bigger character than uh julie in the edit yeah (laughs) i took jake in the first round of the fantasy draft because he played such a large role in the season's trailer so that read ended up being correct. I also took Brandon because he had a whole segment uh, in the trailer and Brandon was complete miss. So we'll see uh, if I keep with that strategy going forward. But honestly, like we're probably going to be at the butt of the draft anyway. So I don't know if we'll have much say. We will never see above fifth and sixth place in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just going to be trading back and forth. We'll make an alliance right now, Alexis. <laughs> if I ever win, and let's be honest, my chances aren't great since we're at the competitive disadvantage. I'll give you the first pick. I'll... Thank you. I'll give you the first pick too, Clyde. Yeah, we'll make it against the the other people. I refuse to put Jack anywhere but last. I'm campaigning to put Jack last from now until February. Jack told me he was going to put me towards the front, and then he put me in the spit. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it was because I was too much of a threat because I almost beat him last season. And I hope that this season lowered my threat level because I chose J. Maya and Kendra. I was the second person out of the draft right after Jack. In my placement, I'm consistent. I get fourth every year. And honestly, I think I had a shot at it this year, but the Brandon pick is what did me in. <laughs> I think I'll need to look back at the scoring of the fantasy league, but I realized if you get one of those first boots, you are in such a difficult uh-huh. spot. Like Hannah ended the season with negative points. Yeah. Because she quit. We can go to the final day. What did you think about this whole segment where they interview the jury before the final tribal? Um, It was interesting to me because I I was wondering, like, do you think the production forces them to say good things about every player? Because I do. they yeah. showed so much of everybody being like, you know, Jake has like such a good game. And I'm just like, they're lying. <laughs> Why did they make them lie like that? Even the compliments feel backhanded. I think Emily says, everyone saw Jake as a pawn, but you needed him in your plan. Like, seeing a player as a pawn is not a positive attribute. And just because Emily says that with a smile does not mean that anyone is going to vote for him. No. Caleb says that Jake had the most difficult path to the end. And I don't think that's a compliment either. (laughs) I said this earlier, but going into the final tribal, I thought we were looking at potentially a uh, D... Uh, jury sweep where mm-hmm. she gets every vote and she does her best to make sure that she does not get every jury vote first thing i wrote down for final tribal is that typically in a season you have your jury heads the players that open for the jury lead the questions 
in 44, it was Franny. In 43, it was Jesse. And in 45, there's two heads. One of them is Emily, which makes sense. She had the whole growth arc of this season. <laughs> and the other is Kendra. Why is Kendra getting this much screen time in the finale? She's getting more screen time now than she did the rest of the season. Because Kendra's reading their horoscopes as they're sitting there. Like, no. Because <laughs> Kendra is is reading the stars and figuring out who's going to win. Honestly, her vote might have come down to astrology. Like, she later votes for Austin. So that's the only explanation I can think of for that vote. Okay, and I'm not... I like Kendra. I know that a lot of the people in this uh, draft this year were Kendra haters. I actually liked her. But I did not like the fact that in her, like, the pre-jury thing where they were interviewing the jury she basically said like it sounded like she wanted to vote for austin and then in the post show she's hugging and celebrating d and i'm thinking you didn't vote for her d doesn't know who everybody voted for so in her mind she's probably thinking oh thanks kendra you're giving me this million dollars i wish kendra had this like backstabbing play style when she was actually in the game instead of when she was on the jury Couple highlights I have. Austin reveals that he was an alternate for season 45, and he was told that he would be on the show 72 hours beforehand. I would have liked to know that information earlier in this season. I thought it was interesting, too, that he was an alternate, because I know in our draft he was the first pick, and I think, like, from what I've heard from other, like, Survivor fans, he was, like, a real pick to win, and he was the alternate. I think it makes sense that he was an alternate, because when you look at that original Reba tribe, that group is stacked from a physical perspective. They had Sifu, who was strong, D, and Austin. I remember when we did the draft, we looked at Lulu by comparison and we all said like, this tribe has no shot. Why did they make it this way? And maybe it's because that player that Austin subbed in for was not a major physical asset. And then you have this really unbalanced pre-merge. It makes me also wonder who was the player that got taken out because Bruce was on the show for 12 hours and he got invited back. So does that mean the failed mystery contestant will get an invite maybe i wonder if they were another quitter though what if what if they quit oh a third quitter <laughs> so that was interesting from austin and i wanted to ask you about d's final tribal performance like how did you think she presented herself i think overall they all did decent and i'm gonna like put quotes around that because like i don't think that d did very well i think she could have done a lot better she had so many questionable answers like one why did you insult bruce i know we all want to insult bruce but like he's the <laughs> least likely to be able to take that i when she did that i was like why would you why did you have to say that what what was what were you gaining there so that was interesting and then a lot of the questions she just like didn't really answer in my opinion like um emily specifically called out d and she was like can you give me one succinct simple example of a time you used your brain and not your heart i thought it was kind of funny that she said succinct simple i'm wondering if d was just like rambling the whole time and emily was oh. like please stop <laughs> <laughs> um but also like her answer i guess it was enough for emily because emily did end up voting for her but her answer was like no because I didn't. Which is crazy. It's the opposite of her game. Yeah. I think the big distinction between Austin and Dion this season has been Austin is incapable of separating his emotions. We see that uh, in the Emily vote where he leaks the original Julie plan to D and D tells that to Julie. Austin is unable to keep a secret from D and D 
was able to do that. She keeps Austin out of the plan in the Drew vote. Uh-huh. So it seems like Emily was poking at Dee and, and saying like, hey, talk about the round that I went home because that's the clear example where you separated your heart from your mind. And Dee just leans back and says, ah, I never did that. Maybe that could have been the answer that pulled more of the votes back to her and less on Austin, because that was a perfect opportunity to call out Austin and be like, he couldn't do this, but I could. It was just really disappointing for me because I went into this finale super high on D. I was saying like, this could be a top five winning game of all time. This could be a survivor legend, top 10 player of all time, because she was masterful up until the (laughs) final five. And then seeing the way the final five plays out and the way the final tribal council plays out, it really lowers my opinion of her as a player. I think your ability to talk in front of a jury and earn those votes is so important. It's what separates a player like uh, Todd from China from a player like Amanda on Mm -hmm. China, right? And I think if Dee plays 100 seasons, I don't know if she wins every time that she makes it to the end because she can't really present herself well in front Mm -hmm. of a jury. Like... She's up against, in my opinion, pretty easy competition here. This isn't a situation where going into tribal, I thought it could go either way between two contestants. So I think if Dee played many seasons, there would be situations where she would go in playing the best game and potentially blow it at the end with her final tribal performance. She eventually owns up to the uh, time where she kept that secret from Austin and she reveals it in front of the whole jury. So I'm happy she did that. But that's also kind of like the bare minimum. Like, that's the secret you kept. If you did not reveal that there, it would be disastrous. Last highlight I have from Final Tribal, and you hinted at this earlier, is that Bruce doesn't speak. Bruce shows up to Final Tribal, gets insulted, votes for Austin, and goes home. (laughs) I think uh, maybe, you know, Jeff or production, probably Jeff, was like, you know, everyone's seen enough of Bruce. (laughs) We don't need to see anymore. Really? (laughs) He was such a like big character in the show. Why does he not speak at all? And then we get all of this unnecessary Kendra content. But the thing is, like, you know, you know that Tribal's like so much longer than what they show. So he had yeah. to have asked something, right? They have to. Yeah. So like, was his question bad? Like, what what was the reason they didn't show it? I want to know I what don't he care. asked. If it was bad, I want to see a bad uh, jury member because. There's certain people there were going in. We knew where they were going to vote. Like, we knew Drew was going to vote Austin. If they cut Drew from the final tribal, it would be a bummer, but I wouldn't be devastated because his jury vote was pretty obvious. Bruce was one of the biggest mysteries on the board Uh where he seemed so out of the loop the entire season and probably one of the worst players on the cast that his vote could go anywhere. And he ends up voting for Austin, and I still don't know why. Like, yeah. I think he votes for Austin because Austin won challenges, and he's a meat boy. And that's essentially mm-hmm. what it boiled down to for him. I just don't know that Bruce would have voted for a woman to begin with. <laughs> I think, you think I so? Think, <laughs> I think that he was probably on the men's side, no matter who it was. Like, I don't know. But again, I wish I did see so I know like what the reasoning behind it was. Because I know also I have seen some post things with Bruce where he was like, I actually did laugh at a joke. They just showed that shot which one i don't know if that's true i don't like, buy two, it no way <laughs> that's the only thing they showed that makes me it gives me any idea as to why he voted for austin so i feel like he really was mad <laughs> why would they show <laughs> that then <laughs> we also have caleb walking up to the voting booth and yelling jay and i couldn't tell if he was yelling jays and jake or jays and jay maya because she went home in the round where he played the shot in the dark but either way it's an insult right it's either a shot at jake 
because he's pretending to vote for him and then he doesn't. Yeah. Or it's a shot at Jay Maya, who is already voted out of the game. Like, leave her alone. She's already <laughs> scarred from that experience. You really got to rub it in all of these episodes later. I thought that he said Jake, but he actually probably did say Jay. That's because I, I thought that it's just like cut off at the end. But yeah, I don't know which one that is. That's interesting. Yeah. Either way, it's a random insult that was kind of unneeded in the edit. Those are my highlights from Final Tribal. Do you have any other ones? No, that was mostly it for me. Okay, so your final vote comes in. It is a five for D, three for Austin, zero for Jake. D is your winner. How did you feel about the D win? I know we both saw it coming going into the finale, but were you happy with the D win? Yeah, I was. I I would have been, like, given everything that happened i would have been disappointed with any other outcome i feel like i would love for jake to win but given his game i would have been really confused if he did um so yeah it was good to see her win i agree i think it was a deserved win uh i'm shocked that the jury vote was as close as it was positive when i look at d as a player in the context of the new era i think she's probably the best player of the new era i think she's the most well-rounded i think you can look at a player like jesse from 43 and easily make the argument that he's a better strategist but d seems to be strong in every aspect of the game she was a great social player such that she had players on the jury that were locked votes for her with julie and emily she was a great physical competitor she wins three individual immunities and she's a good strategist. Uh, she was willing to make that separation of heart and uh, strategy in voting out players like Drew. I was impressed with D as a winner. I think the way she handles these last two rounds lowers my opinion of her a little bit. I'll be making some video the next week or so on where I rank D all time. And it's tough. I think going into the finale, I had her top 10. And I don't know if I have her in the top 20 anymore which is kind of a bummer for me. Do you think D will come back? Maybe. Like, I I could see it. I just wonder when they're even going to have returning seasons, so I don't know who's going to come back, but... I'm thinking they run the returning season in, on Survivor 50 right now. Yeah. Because they've already released info for the casting of 47 and 48. So mm -hmm. they're casting for those. So I'm expecting 50 to be the returning player season. We can kind of expand it out here. Which players from 45 do you think we'll see again? Let's say three players. Who would you lock in as your one, two, and three? I, I want to say Jake, Caleb, and Emily, but I want to put a caveat on Emily because she has said that she doesn't want to come back. So that would have to really? change. Yeah, she said that. She said something like being on a show like this like really isn't like a positive experience for everybody. So she seems to not have liked her experience. Uh, what? Which is I so, am shocked by that. I know, because she was the one with this whole, like, growth thing. But, like, uh, I don't know. I Maybe she'll change her mind because she does seem to be, like, hanging out with people afterwards. So maybe her experience is, like, getting better now that it's all aired. But, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll lock in the three. I just hope that Emily will come back because I liked her. Yeah. See, I think Emily's the biggest lock on the board to at least get the invite, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Because I kind of get it from her her perspective where that first month when the show was airing, she was probably getting berated with messages when she called out Bruce mm -hmm. uh, on the boat episode one. So her early Survivor experience was arguably the most difficult of anybody in the new era. 
But since then, I think she's went from the most hated contestant to the band favorite. So I would love to see Emily come back and play again, especially on a tribe where she's not at such a disadvantage being on Lulu. So I would say my three is number one, lock Emily to at least get the invite. Number two, Jake, because he ends up being a narrator of the season despite not having a pulse on the game. And then number three is really up for grabs. I think the most likely outcome here is that we only get one returnee from this entire season. But yeah. I think I agree with you that Caleb could be number three just because Jeff loves his twists and Caleb can come in with a story arc of like, I'm the ultimate shot in the dark player. Yeah. Like, Never count me out will be his storyline. He has that along with what Emily has, which is he was at a severe disadvantage from the tribe that he was on. So, like, I think he could benefit from a second chance. And he does well in front of the camera. I think mm -hmm. he provides some great one-liners that make uh, Jeff fist pump in the background. Like when he calls himself <laughs> a golden retriever, he described himself as a villain in the preseason. He was one of the players that shocked me the most based on his preseason like interviews and like his bio and video and everything because he describes himself so much differently than how he acted. I think he says that he always roots for the villain. He roots for the Joker when he watches Batman. And then he goes on the island and it seems like he's like one of the most beloved contestants amidst that cast. Yep. So but I think that's a solid three. This is my last question I really have, but we opened the episode with this. With the season done... We've written the last chapter, closed the book. How does this season compare for you? Would you say it's an upper tier season, a mid tier, a lower tier one? I would say probably lower tier. Like, I think that maybe maybe in the mid to lower tier, it just seemed like there was a lot, a lot of moves that were questionable, as I said, and all the quitters. And like, I just didn't really feel super connected to a lot of the players it felt like like there were definitely some that I was like as we said like Emily Caleb Jake liked all of them but like I just I don't know they just didn't really resonate as much as other ones yeah it's tough because this is the first season to get the 90 minute episodes mm -hmm. and I think if you flipped 44 and 45 and gave that 44 cast this much time it would really shine through I have this season ranked because I have my full ranking of all 45 I got it ranked at number 30, so I completely agree with you. Lower middle tier. Innately, if you're a new era season, I made this new rule of the new era tax, where if you're a new era season, you automatically cannot be in the top 15 for me because there's just too many flaws with the new era for me to really reward it to that extent. Like the 26 days, <laughs> the no themes, the uh, three tribe starting format, that alone will prevent you from being a top tier season for me. So until they switch it up, all of these will have the new era tax. Um, I just think there's a lot of flaws with the season that really shine through, especially in the early game. I think this was one of the worst pre-merges that I've seen in a while, where the first four eliminations are all Lulu members. So we're just watching this one tribe get all the screen time, and then they end up being meaningless to the actual story arc of the season. And then I've said this throughout the season on the pod, but Survivor's its best when the pendulum of power shifts back and forth. And on this season, the merge hits, Bello blows up, and then Reba remains in control the rest of the way. Typically, if you have a season like that, where one group is in power, it can still be redeemed by an absolutely like stellar cast of crazy characters. And I do think there were some good casting decisions here, but I wouldn't say this is an all-time cast by any means. I'll put it in stone. 
it, I have it 30 out of 45, and then I have it as the second worst new era season, only better than 41, which is known for the uh, hourglass twist. That is everything that I have on the finale. Uh, Alexis, thank you so much for hopping on and talking about this. Uh, you're the real MVP of the season for taking uh, Jack's spot in a real difficult scenario, talking about the biggest episode. Thank you for having me. Do you have uh, any final thoughts, uh, kind of looking ahead to the next season? I'd like to see more villains, and I'd like to see Jeff become the villain. <laughs> next time we'll have you on will be for the draft order, where ideally we'll be voting uh, first and second. So catch us then. To all of our weekly listeners, thanks for following us this season. We will not be covering another season in between 45 and 46, because we only got two months, so... When Jack returns from his trip, we'll be doing a separate podcast where he can just kind of explain his thoughts. Then we'll be doing a couple weeks break, maybe do a Q&A or something, but this is kind of our off period. We've been doing the podcast for a year and a weekly episode, so I looked back at our stats and we've done like, I think like 54 episodes at this point, so it's a well-deserved <laughs> break uh, in between these seasons. But thanks again to Alexis and we'll see you in a couple weeks.